When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Savage Starlight, the officially unofficial podcast for The Last of Us on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking season one, episode four, Please Hold To My Hand, which is an awkward title at best. Uh, Aaron, how's it going, man? I didn't see you for Sunday night's show, so I don't know anything about your opinion on this yet. (laughs) I'm excited to find well, out. You could have consulted the instant take, but uh, I was uh, broadly in favor of the episode. I really liked it. Uh, I'm I'm curious look, because I don't, and no one else knows what's your opinion. So what? Spill it. Spill the beans. It's true. It's true. Spill the can. The chef by ORD. <laughs> yeah, it's not quite 20 years old, but it is two days old. Uh, <laughs> I I like this episode. I I think look, they can't all be contenders for the Emmys uh, but mm. this episode certainly holds its own uh, I like to see you know the we, we kind of predicted hey uh, maybe just give it a second I think Ellie and Joel are going to bond a little bit more you're not going to really have to worry about ah we're third way through the series and we haven't bonded them yet yeah we got a lot more of that this episode and I was happy to see it it was, it was also a lot of fun uh, in those moments I look I'm a child much like apparently Joel and obviously Ellie, and I really appreciated the runs in your jeans joke. It's a good one. It's good. It's a good, good, one. good quality. Good quality. Will Livingston or whatever his name is really knocked one out of the park there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing is like uh, I, yeah, I didn't have to wait to get this episode to like really warm up to Bella Ramsey, but like if you had if there's any, I guess people holding out about whether she could kind of channel all the different wavelengths of Ellie I think this episode puts those to rest because she's also able to you know I maybe Ellie's not innocent maybe Ellie has had a little bit more familiarity with violence and death than a 14 year old should uh, but she's still very much a child and I thought Craig Mason had a really great line about how people don't usually write teenagers very well they either um portray them as much too young mentally and emotionally or like as essentially full-grown adults and he Mm -hmm. said that there's this tone of fuck you now tuck me in to like a 13 14 (laughs) 15 year old where it's like they definitely are becoming their own person and their intellect and their maturity is kicking in and they're you know rebelling and acting out and and which is just another way of saying they're differentiating from you know the hive mind that is the family uh they're they're splitting off um but they still have some of the needs of of children they they kind of want to know that there's someone beyond their own their own selves like in charge and someone's protecting them someone's looking after them someone's going to care for them and i think that bella really nails that like oh yeah um very very just very very well and i I said that was the one concern i had going into the project is can she do all the things that ellie has to do and by god she does yeah, it's uh, ironic how well it's done here, given the other character that Bella Ramsey, uh, that I'm familiar with of Bella Ramsey's, that's from Game of Thrones, where she was basically like an eight-year-old who was acting 100% like an adult. Yeah. 
she and was Ned Stark really reincarnated in a nine-year-old's body. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So she had I'm, the Lord's face and everything. I'm much happier with how they're portraying that here. Uh, yeah, it's great. Um, it's a lot of, I guess, cyclical things happening in this episode where, you know, first Joel doesn't want to talk about his experiences. Now uh, Ellie doesn't want to talk about hers. And you can see the walls coming down, but it's slow, right? Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. it, it's not going to be one pun and suddenly they're best friends, but yeah. it is it is getting there. We're inching toward it. Yeah, I agree. I, I saw that, um, you know, last week we diverged wildly from the show or from the video games canon, I guess, or the uh, events as portrayed in the video game. Uh, this episode, we hewed very closely there. I saw a lot of like shot for shot, you know, stack the scene from the video game of like Ellie finding the uh, nudie magazine for men mm-hmm. uh, sh- a stack shot of like the actual ambush that takes place in the video game. And um, it, it follows very close. Now there, there definitely are, I, I'm not even say deviations. There's some embellishments to the canon. you know, this uh, Melanie Lin- Lewinsky, Linsky. I, yeah, someone's Linsky. making fun of me for pronouncing her name wrong uh, in, in feedback. I saw this morning, Mel- the Melanie, uh, Kathleen, this is a character that's been invented for the show mm-hmm. to kind of put a face on these militia factions that you sometimes, you know, these, these or, you know, they're not raiders or just rabble trying to survive. They're not Fedra or Fireflies. They're this other. They're the people, you know. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. Um, I, I saw some people like grousing that they there's there's been a little bit of grousing of the what was perceived as attempts to whitewash Joel's character but I don't know if I agree or if I do agree it's in the exact same way that like they whitewashed the character of Tyrion in Game of Thrones like in the book he's a little you know a little bit more darker and unrepentant um and some of the things he does he's bigger he's a bigger asshole but I feel like whenever you're adapting something from like a like a book material or I guess a video game where you're directing a character's actions to something where you're more passively observing and you don't have their interior voice and you don't get to guide their directions that like you have to soften them a bit because like, yeah, if a person's acting like an asshole and you don't have their internal monologue explaining why they're doing the things they're doing, they just look like an asshole. Um, So like (laughs) I, I feel like. Maybe they've smoothed out the relational curve between Joel and Ellie. Um, I'm not saying it's better than the video game, but like I, I'm not feeling that at all. I wondered if you felt like, boy, it seems like Joel's just a fundamentally nicer dude in the show than he is in the video game. Uh, maybe slightly, but I don't know that I'm bothered by that because he was kind of a dick in the game for a long time. Um and I, I don't know. I have to see how how we get to the end point, I guess, of this season before I can judge it because yeah. there's still a lot to go. We're not even halfway through this series yet, uh, even the first season of this series, so give it time. Um, I don't know. It, it Changes aren't necessarily bad, you know? I, I get it. Yeah, People review the game, but also mm-hmm. the game ain't perfect. So And the game will always be we'll there see. to play exactly as it is. Oh, um, of course. And I, I don't, you know, I'm not a big fan of just changing for change's sake. I don't think that Craig and Neil are looking to do that. It doesn't feel like it. But mm-hmm. 
because they, they did mention something that made me a little afraid on the official podcast, which is they do look to make changes because, you know, the game is the game and they kind of want to surprise video game uh, veterans too. I, I, I don't, I don't think that conflicts with the earlier statements where when they are contemplating changes, they say if it's the same or worse then they stay the video game. Um, but yeah, I, I guess, yeah, all the changes made so far, like adding, uh, a representative to this militia group, um, you know, deepening Frank and Bill's character, maybe smoothing out. Uh, maybe Joel's a bigger dick to Ellie in the beginning of the show than he is in the video game, but he's not as big a dick in the midpoint as he is. So it's like kind of smoothing out the relationship, um, literally smoothing out the voyage. You know, they're stretching out the, the uh, they're making intentional choices of where we check in. When I mean say where, I'm talking about not just in a stream of time, but ge- geographically where we're checking in with Ellie and Joel <laughs> to kind of smooth mm-hmm. out timelines and logistics for, I, I yeah, to me, it's like it feels a lot like what um, Dan and is it Ty? Yeah, Dan and Ty did on The Expanse where yeah. it's not that the books were like a rough draft, but they're like, you know, we see a chance to smooth something out that we came across in book four. We can go back in books one and two and like introduce this character early. I yeah, like I think that's just really smart adaptation, and that I think is what we're seeing on the show. Yeah, I want to see where they go with the hunter stuff um, with Melanie Linsky's character Kathleen because I, the one like criticism that I'm I'm tending to agree with, but giving it time to develop to see what story they're telling because I think it's necessary. Um, is that she doesn't seem to have the commanding presence I would expect of somebody who has taken over a group of revolutionaries. Um, I think that's the point. Yeah. But I need to see more to know for sure, because this, this could be a misstep, but this could be right on. So I'm, I, I'm it's curious about that. So I, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad you said that because you have, you, I can actually talk with you, talk, talk you through it. Um, I I I saw that a lot of people saying that on like the subreddit and, and mm-hmm. different reviews and things. And I didn't get that at all. I didn't get that she was like a lightweight. Um, and like I feel like maybe if I hadn't seen Yellow Jackets, that I would maybe like balk harder at her stepping totally. into this kind of like commanding role. But I'm like I can mm-hmm. definitely see it. Um, and maybe like I, I was thinking about my reaction because oh no this came out this came up in the instant talk where people were saying like do i buy that and i'm like i don't know man i just feel like yeah she definitely plays like nicer more matronly characters but she also has this kind of like wrought iron interior that you know she showed in yellow jackets that i kind of like buy her and just kind of like a rebel like a, a person who could inspire but maybe is having trouble transitioning from populist leader to like, Oh shit, I got to get stuff done. Like this is, they mm-hmm. mentioned that on the podcast. Like this is revolutionary politics. One Oh one. Obviously. Yeah. But you, you, you don't, and, and, you don't buy her just as a, you like, it's like, why would the Perry guy, for example, why would all these tough mil- paramilitary guys like defer to her? I, I'm not necessarily saying I don't buy it yet. I want to see more. Um, mm. That's the thing. She she comes off as very like she's got a dark side. She can be, uh, I guess, authoritative and in charge of certain types of people, but maybe not everyone. And hmm. uh, I yeah, it, it depends on what the people around her are like and how she ultimately grows into that role, I think, over the next yeah. episode. Uh, 
but we'll see. I'm I'm not completely sold, but I'm not turned off yet. So okay, well I'm sure we'll talk more about that as we get into the episode. The thing I like about her performances is she always brings a bit of like warmth to her characters. You know, th- yeah. there's she's got a weird dichotomy in her her style mm-hmm. where she is like both very warm but has like a dark streak and 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 can have like this real mean streak too it's yeah yeah her performance in yellow jackets is really good and it walks that line so well yeah Uh, i agree but i don't know well we'll see what happens with that i get the feeling they're going uh to a a place where like she's kind of she's kind of fucked up by the things that happen like she mentions you know her brother getting beaten to death and all this stuff so yeah I, i expect more good stuff from her uh, but that's that's kind of where I'm at with the episode. I think it was it was very good, but man, you hold it up next to the last week's episode, and it's like, how did you expect it to to hold a candle to that thing, right? Yeah, and uh, it but it, it it's solid. It's a solid part mm-hmm. one to what clearly feels like an old school two part episode. You know, like come back next week for the thrilling conclusion of totally. please hold to my hand. <laughs> uh huh. All right, well, maybe we should get into the recap. Uh, Before we do, I got two announcements to make. All of it's good news. Uh, First, uh, even though they went head-to-head against the Grammys, The Last of Us said, we don't want any of the Super Bowl smoke. And they are moving the premiere to Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern on HBO Max and HBO The Channel. And Jim and I are also moving our instant take and instant talk to right after the airing on 9 p.m. Eastern. So it'll be about 10 p.m. like we usually do on Sunday. Exact same thing we do on Sunday, except we're going to be doing it on Friday night. So we'll all get to enjoy the episode and the podcast uh, for the for the entire weekend. Um, of course, the instant take will be out for everybody. But if you want to watch us record live, if you want to participate in the instant talk, if you want to download and enjoy the instant talk, get to support.baldmove.com before Friday. And get signed up to the club. Correspondingly, since we're getting the episode early, we're going to get it out, the full episode out early next week, too. We're going to be releasing that on uh, Monday afternoon. So, or probably Monday early evening. I think, I don't see any reason to mess with the feedback schedule, though. Nope. So that'll, that'll still be, be coming good. out on Thursday, but we'll we'll be having a slightly hurry-up version of the schedule. Uh, so that's that's exciting, good and, and good news. I'm I'm glad they're doing it because number one, I was going to miss the Super Bowl uh, instant talk because I was going to be at my family's house watching the Super Bowl with my sister. So I'm glad I'm glad I, <laughs> I, I get see to where your priorities are. I see. Well, look, look, one of those man, fair look, weather look, Last of Us fans. Okay, it, it look sleepyhead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's not talk about our commitments to to the Last of Us. Uh, uh, um, on a related note, we killed it this weekend on the uh, on the the Groundhog Day Marathon podcast. We're not Marathon podcast, Marathon Live Watch. Where we watched all of the Fast and Furious movies uh, to raise money for the Cure Alzheimer's Fund. I say we killed it, but I I mean the Bald Move community. We raised two twenty two thousand three hundred seventy five dollars in cold hard cash, plus at least another thousand. And proceeds going and revolving around bits and channel subs and merchandise. Uh, it was a, a success. We shattered another record. I didn't think we'd ever beat the record we set last year, uh, but we we keep doing it. Um, we will be having a wrap up podcast probably out next week when we have a chance to get with the Cure Alzheimer's Fund people and do a little interview. And me and Jim can kind of like reminisce. It, it was a great time. 
things got weird in the wee hours of the night like they normally do. There was some chat GPT madness. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some, some, yeah, just, just ton. We, we had a lot of fun. If you go to twitch.tv slash bald move, uh, in the VODs, you can see the full 24 hour thing. If you want, there's also a bunch of clips. If you want to see just kind of Dixie cup sized portions of the madness, uh, check it out there. Also, if you're like, oh man, I missed this because a ton of people, um, were reminded. I, I, that's, uh, a lot of people when they're logging in said that, uh, they, they heard of the reminder on the, Last of Us Feedback Podcast. Uh, if you forgot and you're like, oh, no, I missed it, uh, you can still donate. Uh, we have not sent the check out we, to the Cure Owls people. We won't until we do the final podcast. So if you want to pump up that number a little bit more, groundhog.baldmove.com still has a link that will take your money. You can still check out uh, one of get one of the um, Fast and the Generous exclusive T-shirts at merch.baldmove.com. All those proceeds, again, 100% go to the Cure Alzheimer's Fund. So thanks again to the Bald Move community for making uh, our annual fundraiser bigger, better, more fun. Uh, can't wait to do it again next year. All right. Good news out of the way. Let's talk about the depressing nihilism of The Last of Us. Now's the time to endure and survive. We'll be back with more Savage Starlight. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. getting geared up for the 6th annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints. Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, (laughs) now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live.
Just so we're clear about back there, it was either us or the ad. Welcome back to more Savage Starlight. All right, we start off with Ellie practicing looking tough with her new gun. Joel siphons gas for the truck as Ellie tries to tries out some puns on him. He's not amused. They get back on the road where Ellie finds one of Bill's magazines and a Hank Williams tape. Yeah, I mentioned this on the uh, instant take, but it just viscerally makes me uncomfortable to see children playing with guns unsupervised. <laughs> Sure. Like yeah. I know she's not. I know she's not going to accidentally shoot herself in the face. But the whole time she's like handling it and whipping it into the mirror and stuff. I'm like, oh god, just please don't shoot yourself in the face. She's got some training too. Uh, apparently, the Fedra school Fedric. part of that is yeah. teaching you how to at least at least load a gun, uh, load and unload a gun. It's grim, right? You think about like, oh my god, you got schools teaching children how to be proficient in firearms, but then I like, oh, and we live in a society where we we have active shooter drills. So, I guess if <laughs> our schools would be to yeah. inv- invaded by mushroom people, you would want uh, the children to be to be able to arm themselves. Totally, um, that's a very different world. Yeah, it's I, a very would, different world. I would want everyone to know how to use weapons in that world for sure. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that they at least I don't know that the answer is satisfying, but they at least sketched an answer about how Joel is getting gas and whether gas is still Ugh. good or it's not satisfying in any way. I don't think impossible. Impossible. It's it doesn't slowly turn to water. And if it did, guess what? Your internal combustion engine cannot run on ninety percent water. Yeah, it would just destroy your engine, apparently, if you try to put this stuff in it. So, no. Why Why do this? Because I, I would buy, there is a scenario I would buy, which is Bill had been making, actively making gasoline somehow. What do you mean? Stabilizing it? Yeah. Or, or, or straight up making it. I don't know. He, okay, he had, yeah. like, access to the raw petroleum to Or it's to a do diesel it and, like, truck, and he's doing biodiesel. He's essentially vegetable sure. oil. And he's yeah. got 350-gallon drums of it, sure. and they strap mm-hmm. it in the back of the truck. They didn't need this, and it's... Got a 1,500-mile range, yeah. It's not realistic. Why would they do this? And look, I know we're talking about walking dead mushroom people, but, like, this is an unforced error. Why? It is. I think it's because most people don't know it. Like we're the one, like we're the five percent of people that know that. Gasoline then doesn't... why even have him say like, "Oh, it's ninety percent water now, so we got to get a lot of it." It's... It's... So, so, so they can say, so they can tell us at least they know that this is wrong and then don't worry about it. I don't know. <laughs> sure. I was I, cover their asses. Actually, I was, I was trying to figure that out too. It's like if you saw a show using silencers and it was using that zing zing that the silencers used to always do in the '80s when you'd shoot somebody. Uh-huh. <laughs> And, yeah. so, and Joel's like unscrewed. I'm like, well, you know, Ellie, silencers don't really sound like this. Uh-huh. Like, okay. Who's that for? <laughs> that, now you put a lampshade on top of the lampshade now. It's mm-hmm. it's weird, but uh, I'm not, I mean, they, they addressed it such, such as it is. They did. They did. Uh, the joke book, the joke book came out. Uh, I was mm-hmm. glad to see that. It's a big staple. Ellie uh, Needle and Joel with her stupid joke book. Yeah, um, and I like Joel trying to explain how siphoning works. That was that was kind of fun because I think everybody is in that boat, right? Like, I know it does work, but I couldn't yeah. tell you the exact mechanism through which it works. And also there's this thing like uh, Ellie finds this Hank Williams tape and she's like, oh, this must make you nostalgic. And that's such a kid thing, too, that like as now <laughs> I'm, I'm my parents' age, I realize when I was a kid... 
I thought anything that wasn't essentially in the late 70s or early 80s was like from the afore times. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I was embarrassingly old. Like I think I was not 8 or 9 before I realized that the world just wasn't black and white and when they discovered like they didn't discover color. Like it's no, it's the world's always been in color. Hmm. They just started filming it that way. Um yeah, so yeah. like yeah, to like my dad was not the generation that enjoyed King Kong, for example, or even like the Wizard of Oz. Like he was after all that. So mm-hmm. I just thought that was funny when he's like, this is actually before my time, but still absolute banger. And yeah. uh, I mean, and, yeah, this go ahead. I was going to say that's exacerbated by the the fact that everybody got like reruns on TV. So you'd always right. or classic classic stations right on the radio. So right. th- there was kind of a big overlap. There could be like 20 years before you were born, 20, 30 years. Sure. Or you were very familiar with that stuff. But yeah, yeah, you're not. Yeah. All, all the time didn't happen during old people's lifetimes. Yeah. Like there's a lot of shows before my time, like Beverly Hillbillies and mm-hmm. uh, Dick Van Dyke show and things like that, that I have a nostalgic for because that's what they played when I was homesick or played yeah. on Nick at night and things like that. Totally. Um, I like the, that. And then the, 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 the gay, the, the gay nudie magazine, uh, uh-huh. this is essentially a shot for shot remake of what happens in a video game. Yeah. And the thing I think is really startling about The Last of Us, when I was watching some of these comparisons between the video game and the TV and, and the TV show, their facial acting on these games are just so much next level than anything we'd seen before. And then you get to part two and it's even that much. But like Joel gives a subtle performance in the game of like being visibly uncomfortable by Ellie discovering this nudie magazine and looking at an implication of pages being stuck together. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, games like I'm thinking of like playing the original Half-Life games could show you could show a person like screaming in terror or standing at attention, but not much in between. But here you're like. This is a like a a person being fatherly embarrassed about his daughter getting involved in tangently sex stuff, and Mm -hmm. Pedro doing it too is just I don't know. It's I thought it was really really funny. Yeah, Uh, I think it's hilarious when she throws it out the window. Bye bye, dude. Uh huh. (laughs) Pretty good. (laughs) How does Uh, he walk around with that thing? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Alone and Forsaken, I guess, is the the Hank Williams song here. Um, there was a Hank Williams song in the game, but it's a different Hank Williams song. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, and he's called "I'll Never Get Out of This World Alive." Hmm. In the game, another good uh, fit. Yeah, totally. They got a thing for Arby's apparently because there's another Arby's reference. It's that loves sign, truck stop sign. Yeah. Uh, that you see there's Arby's underneath it. So like, what's their thing with Arby's? Is Arby's just a fun restaurant to to include and stuff? I used to like Arby's. I think it's nasty now. The last time I had one of the uh, uh, roast huh. beef sandwiches, the the roast beef was a very thin layer. It was kind of greenish. You got to get the big Montana. The big Montana. I yeah. used to love a beef and cheddar, and a beef and cheddar is just sad now, man. And they're expensive for what they are. Pay yeah. five bucks, five bucks for a couple of folds of beef and some sad <laughs> nacho cheese. Not- I never liked the beef and cheddar, mostly because they're cheese. Cheese, and it can't have gotten any better during the apocalypse, right? Oh, God, no. Yeah. yeah this yeah. is uh, it's a, it's post-apocalyptic food in uh-huh. the pre-apocalypse. <laughs> really is. 
All right, Joel and Ellie stop to eat dinner and make camp for the night. They try to sleep in the woods while worrying about people potentially finding them. While uh, Joel wakes up in the middle of the night to make sure they're safe. You can tell it's bothering him. Oh, yeah. Um, they're eating. I, did, I didn't look up whether Chef Priority would stay good for 20 years, but I've heard that cans kind of do stay good forever. As long unless, as they don't Unless there's rust. something, yeah, defective about them. Like if yeah. they get uh, an opening on them somehow, yeah. Yeah, because there's just no way for bacteria to get into it. Now it might taste like hell. Uh-huh. Uh the the but but like it's not gonna kill you to eat it. Um No, I think ravioli would last longer than gasoline, that's for sure. <laughs> canned yeah, canned pasta. Canned uh-huh. pasta. You can only burn a, a Carl burn on uh beefaroni. <laughs> yeah, just shove that in your gas tank, see what happens. <laughs> get a get a stick and jam it down in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Plunge it in. Pack it in. Uh, of course, this is like the obligatory people are the real threat scene. Um, but they are in, in some ways, you know, at least in a lot of scenarios. Well, we also get like some people have had a question about mushroom biology, but how smart are they? Can they absorb people's memories? Yeah, like we yeah. hear a professional mushroom fighter here, Joel, say that like they're not even smart enough to see smoke and fire and assume human activity. Mm-hmm. So I think this puts like. You know, the kiss scene might have like anthropomorphized this thing a little too much, but I think this puts an upper limit on like these. Yeah, you can think of these as just pretty much like zombies. They're fast and they're agile, but they're not going to like outthink you or outflank you or things like that. Yeah, yeah. They they have one thing on their mind, and that's to spread uh, yeah. their themselves to other hosts. A hundred percent. And they don't think about how they're doing that. They just like see, oh, there's a host. Let's go after it. Yeah. And it's a, they established this like, you know, child parent type of thing where, you know, Ellie wants to know if they're safe and Joel assures her that she is. But as soon as she goes to sleep, he's out patrolling because he doesn't he's mm-hmm. not he's not going to take anything for granted. Yeah, for sure. Um, The next morning, Ellie wakes to the smell of burnt shit. AKA coffee <laughs> and they continue driving. Ellie asks about Joel's brother, uh, Tommy, and he explains how Tommy got mixed up with fireflies because he wants to be a hero and save the world, which Joel thinks is all incredibly delusional. Uh, and they keep driving. Ellie falls asleep at some point. Yeah. The, the wake up scene where, uh, Ellie was slow to get out of her sack. I thought that's like, man, it's just, that's camping with a teenager. Uh, trying to get them get 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 them out of their warm and snug sack in the morning and go out and hiking. Uh, yeah. Do you know what kind of coffee machine that he was using? I've never seen anything like that before. No, I don't. It it looks like, it's like the, the boiling was action was from forcing the... like mm-hmm. through something that was like forcing water through to the to, to percolate it. Yeah, I, I I think that is a like real type of coffee maker. I don't know the term for it though. What do you think it would be like drinking 20-year-old coffee beans? About like it like it is drinking 20-day-old coffee beans. <laughs> I don't bad. think there would be I, much I've, difference, honestly. Is it, is, it, is it bad or is it just like, you know... It's probably you... roughly the same. Hmm. So it depends on your opinion of, of fresh coffee, I guess. Because like Folgers, that freeze-dried shit, you could, drink, you could drink coffee forever as long as you keep finding that stuff. But I was wondering, like, sure. does the bean go bad? Does it ever... 
you know, Bari getting moldy or whatnot, like, would those beans, like, still deliver caffeine and flavor for 20-plus years? I don't know. That's That That might be the question, like, is he actually getting any caffeine from that? I, I was just thinking all about it from, like, the perspective of don't you dare let her drink this coffee because it's one of the highest crimes you could commit in the apocalypse is to get someone hooked on coffee when it's not <laughs> yeah. being made. It's true. Like, you're not living in in Bolivia, so I don't know that you're going to find many coffee <laughs> Juan trees. Juan Valdez around. isn't coming over that mountain range with his <laughs> no, burrow loaded. No, uh. Uh-uh. So yeah, don't don't. Here's my advice, and maybe this needs to be a bald move rule. If you're in the apocalypse, don't get addicted to coffee. If you aren't yeah. already, I uh, that's kind of like real life life, you know. Just like, just just if your natural metabolism isn't doing it, don't. Don't don't take the crutch because you'll depend on it and you'll yeah. resent its absence. <laughs> Fair. Uh, you know what you don't resent the absence of because it's never absent is 70 West or 70 <sighs> East for that matter. So I, I love the fact that they point out we're going to be on 70 West for like ever. Boy, it feels like it, too. Every time I went out to Colorado to ski, it's like you get on. I mean, yes. you never like you. I it's like I thousands well, of miles. Town was five miles off of seventy, and you got on that and just like oh uh-huh. my! And some of the most bore. America's a beautiful <laughs> fucking country. Let me tell you. Oh my God, Monument Valley to Southwest to the Colorado Rockies, Eastern Seaboard. We just got the Great Lakes. We got we got some we got some goodies. The Pacific Northwest. The Midwest, there's a lot of lot of flat areas and a lot of corn, a lot of just mm-hmm. a lot of continental crust that got pressed flat by glacier and not much else, man. It's rough. It's really, really rough to drive through, especially where they are in in this episode, the Kansas City area. Yeah, uh, drive driving through Nebraska, it's no fun. So a lot of a lot of people on the instant take and that's continued on through the week have called into question like why are they taking this route? This is not the best route from Boston uh, to okay. wherever they're going in Wyoming. And I said on the instant take that I didn't really care because I can think of a million different reasons why a guy in the apocalypse would know. It's like well you just can't go north. You know the winter cycles just a pulverize the roads so you can't make good time. There's known raider bandit camps. Uh, this highway is closed. Fourteen-year-old girl who's never been in a car before as my navigator, so I should probably keep <laughs> it simple, right? Because uh, I noticed that the the map was marked up a little bit with like some areas were shaded in red that were like I don't know, no go. Like did they nuke that area or something? They so like I, I didn't care, but like listening to the official podcast, this also was a conscious choice to. They had this uh, uh, th- this place that they were filming in Canada. That is not Windsor. What the hell was it? Vancouver. No, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's what whatever. Calgary is Calgary. I yes. think. Uh, they're filming in Calgary, and they're like, this doesn't look like Pittsburgh, which is where this scene takes place in the video game. It actually looks closer to something like a a, a Kansas City. Also. You know, we know where we're going in the game and geographically and geologically and and time wise. If we move, you know, we give them a little bit more time to get to know each other before this chapter. And then we're a little bit closer logistically to some of the things that are going to happen next. Like, it seems like it's a good decision. And if I if it's if it's not the Google Maps approved way to get there, I don't care. I don't think it's an interesting Mm -hmm. thing to talk about. Okay. Uh. 
So let's talk about the more interesting part of this scene, I guess, which is the reasons that Tommy joined up and how Joel feels about that. Because um, we were wondering, uh, and I don't think we get too much more information here, but we do get at least a reason from Joel's perspective as to why Tommy joined up with the Fireflies. It's because he's kind of a, a follower, I guess, and he wants to be important. He wants to save the world. Uh, he wants to be a hero, that kind of stuff. Which Joel thinks is all incredibly naive and and ridiculous. Pipe dream, delusional. Uh, that's how he frames Tommy and and all the people like him. He dry, draws a, a direct connection through the fireflies there too. Uh huh. Um, and Marley Ellie... being, being the one to convince Tommy to join up. I thought that was an interesting detail. Uh huh. Yeah, it implies um, probably longer running. Uh, relationship with her. I'm I'm curious when all this happened too. Like, okay, ta- how how soon after the apocalypse did Tommy join up with the Fireflies? How long was he with them? Uh, how long ago did he leave? All those things. This is but, unspecified time of them running with a crew that uh, was effective and got things done before they got to the quarantine zone. So I I I was wondering that myself. And then Ellie, you know, throws the obvious kind of in his face, right? Like, if you don't have, if you don't see any hope or purpose, then why are you still fighting? Why are you out here doing anything? Why aren't you just laying down in Fungusville and letting them eat you? Um, And he claims it's because he does have a purpose. It's to keep his family safe. And she's not part of that. But she's promise a contractual promise so she's kind of mm. sort of to and to a family right she's an, right. Obli- she's an obligation to a dead family member uh-huh which makes her like i was the way he says just cargo is so 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 brutal i don't know it didn't and, feel and this is the part of joel that like it's it not white the whitewashing stuff right the, the, this is this is joel still being very much game joel desperately trying to stave off and 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 uh feeling of obligation to this girl like i am responsible for your safety not as a promise i'm keeping it t- not as a fool's errand i'm trying to run not mm-hmm. as like a, a side bonus for going to find my brother but like i don't want to care about you in that way because i don't want to be hurt you know i don't i don't want to be hurt like i've been hurt so many times before mm-hmm yeah, and I, I guess like I'm not really it, when I'm looking at this episode. I'm saying, okay, well, yeah, he, he, Ellie got Joel to laugh at the end of this episode, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she's no longer just cargo. It means she got him to laugh. Uh, it, lines like this kind of say the exact opposite. You know, he's keeping her at a distance here or trying to, um, but yeah, she's she seems to be slowly. Uh, whittling down his defenses. They, they mentioned this on the official podcast too, that there's a certain resentment to Joel, like being forced to be the guy, like his brother's the idealistic dreamer. And he's the one that always goes off and saves him and, mm-hmm. and, and finds him and keeps him safe. Like, you know, he had to bail him out the night of the pandemic. Uh, Cause he had to get involved in saving somebody uh, he joined up with the Fireflies or went along with the Fireflies just to keep an eye. And you can tell that it kind of grates on him. Mm-hmm. But they point out that this is also Joel's core identity, that he is that guy. He kind of loves being that guy. He complains about it, but it's his identity. 
And I thought that was a little unsatisfying because I think it's, I don't know that he loves being the guy. I don't think he knows how not to be because like essentially to not yeah. be the guy, you have to essentially shrug your shoulders and be like, well, I'm just going to let, I guess I'm going to let this person fail or find out on their own. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go with them. I'm not going to care what happens to them. I'm going to trust them to make good decisions. And like, that's a more healthy thing to do than to be the guy or the girl um can be yeah but like it's also like boy you feel you it, it's it's it requires a certain amount of strength and, and trust and faith in other people that i i don't think joel has so i don't know that joel loves being the, this way i just don't know think that he ha- he knows any other way to be yeah yeah i'm definitely not getting the sense that he really enjoys coming in and saving the day for people i i think he's more like well, someone has to do it, and there's no one around except right. For Everybody me. else has gone so, off being a goddamn hero, so I guess I'm the one that's left that can do the thing that needs to be done. Yeah, I, I, I almost I get the to. feeling that he resents it. Like he he would prefer to live a different life, but these these chuckleheads around him yeah. are not letting him. Or there's actually a really great character moment in this uh, <laughs> completely unrelated movie, this Disney movie, Encanto, right? Okay. As one of the, you know, all these uh, children of this magic house have this particular blessing, and there's one of the daughters, the sisters, that is just ph- phenomenally strong. She's like a Hercules. She's strong. Everyone relies on her when it comes to feats of strength or protecting. She has this great song about, like, that's all great to be known as this big thing, this big, you know, that everyone can rely on you. But like, what if you can't do it one day? What if you are like, and Joel is a guy who's had to live through three different occasions of that happening mm-hmm. that like he, what he is the guy that everyone relies on and he wasn't strong enough. Um, and, and I think that fucks he with needs you. somebody's help. You know? Sure. Like that's that's the other the flip side of that is he can't if ever he's like the protector. How, who protects the protectors, right? Yeah, the pressure that you yourself can't ever be the one that loses their shit and falls uh-huh. apart and just says fuck it. You know, everyone else will figure it out because you are the guy that does that for everyone else. It's like it's an immense amount of pressure. Yeah, totally. Um, I I, I love the the road trip, the strong road trip vibes that they're giving me throughout this this scene here, especially when. Ellie says, oh, I'm not even tired. And then we smash cut to her just <laughs> zonked out in the front seat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that feels so much like a road trip. Yeah. Yeah. I um every time I've, I've been doing this a while, every time Jack falls asleep, like it just uh, in a car and just like throws his head back against the rest and just, like mouth gaping open like a little kid. Mm-hmm. I used to do this when he was in his car seat. So I've got an own broken picture. And I'm like, I wonder, like, when is the last time I'm going to get the shot? And it hadn't been, it'd been for a while, but just like, uh, I think the last time we went to my sister's house, what was that for? For a Christmas thing? He did it. And I'm like, ah, I got a 16 year old <laughs> picture of him doing the kid sleeping. But yeah, you're not going to, you're not going really... to fall asleep like that in your 30s. You're going to wait. You, you won't be yeah. able to move your fucking neck when you wake up. <laughs> Fair. They've really done a great job depicting like the perfect road trip, right? You got the yeah. beef jerky. Uh, yep. you, you've got the ability to just fall asleep while somebody else drives. You've got to un- dad siphoning no gas at a restaurant to stop. Yep, <laughs> right. the stopping at the points. Arby's. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know how your family did it, but yeah, we didn't have money to gas is country. expensive. Come right? on, you got you can either get you can either have the the hotel on the beach or the gas to get there. Come on, yeah, you gotta you make choices. See the dinosaur park, or you, you can <laughs> or you can suck the gas out of this car, kid. Get to right, it. Right, right, right. 
Uh, no, and then you have an uh, just like co- totally unencumbered, no traffic highway. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Ellie wakes up at the entrance uh, when they get to the entrance of a tunnel. This is the other road trip thing. You fall asleep. From you come down off your beef jerky high, you fall asleep, and then you always wake up when the car slows or stops. Right? Yep. It's you. You never wake up and you're traveling eighty miles an hour down the highway. It's fuck. Where are we? And y- your parents have pulled off to get like coffee or food or something. Yeah, the disoriented feeling of where the hell am I? What time uh-huh. is this? What is happening? Uh, yeah. So Ellie wakes up. They're at the entrance of a tunnel which has been blocked just outside of Kansas City. They decide to drive around the tunnel and they end up getting funneled into an ambush. Uh, Joel manages to take out two of the ambushers, but a third sneaks up on him. It's going to kill him, but Ellie shoots the guy in the back. And then uh, she doesn't kill him. She doesn't actually kill him. Joel has her leave the room. He finishes the job and then they kind of sneak out of the immediate area there. Yeah, I loved all the details of this. It really did make you, it really captured the feeling of terror and helplessness when you get into these gunfights um i really liked how like in a video game you can hear what the other side's screaming and yelling at each other so it's Mm -hmm. like you know they're not speaking a different language uh they're not um you know faceless like stormtroopers they're actually getting angrier and angrier at you as you have success at killing them and getting more and more desperate um, how fucking powerful Joel's gun sounded. My God, and that thing goes off, it feels like it's going to put someone down, and it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did. will say that, like, <laughs> I was watching, you know, because um, when I was watching the guy go check on his buddy and he turned his back to Joel, I'm like, now's the time to kill yeah. him, Joel. You That's that's standard right? operating procedure. You kneecap the guy, when they check on their wound, you kill them both. Like, come on, you got to... You gotta mm-hmm. be more ruthless than this, Joel. <laughs> yeah, it's all part of the whitewashing of Joel. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the softening of Joel. No. Um, yeah, there, there was a, th- there's a moment there that I really like at the beginning of this where they're at the tunnel and Joel's looking under the truck, the, the, the trailer rather for the semi there. And he sees like unobstructed road in front of them. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the moment where his radar is kind of going off, like saying yeah. something is not right here, but he decides it's not worth backtracking. He's, I mean, how much gas has he dr- has he drank at this point? I mean, right, right. you can only siphon so many times before your stomach is just full of gas. So he's like, I don't want to siphon more gas. It's going to be miles and miles and time. And, it, you know, who knows what we're going to encounter out there? We're already here. Let's just go around. He makes a bad call here against mm-hmm. his against his better judgment, too, I think. Um, and, yeah, they end up getting in a lot of trouble. Well, I think that you, you like it also captures a one thing the video game does really well is puts you in this natural rhythm of like you will just be talking around and just fucking with Ellie just walking down a mm-hmm. path and she's telling jokes and the go- game is gorgeous. You hear birds singing and you could go there for 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 what in video game feels like a long time where you even forget that like, oh, there's danger and then a rifle cracks and suddenly, you know, you're you're running for your life. Um, you get complacent, just like in a video game, you get complacent. And I think that's Mm -hmm. what Joel is doing. He's been, you know, rolling for thousands of, you know, for at least a thousand miles, let's say, Mm -hmm. uh, Boston to Kansas city. That's at least a thousand miles. Hasn't had any big contact. 
Um, you could go back and do it right, but like, you know, what are the fucking odds? Uh, I don't know. I thought that that again captured the feel of the game. Yeah, in the game, I I remember they they do one thing in the game to undermine that feeling though. Um, with the music, they they always, always cue like you cue. with the music whether you're in a battle or about to be. Um, yeah, yeah. Or or whether the battle is over, especially. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so now it's time to you know do the tin hand monkey technique uh yeah the unrestricted looting <laughs> uh-huh yeah loot the zone uh but yeah here here in the game or here in the show rather i definitely feel like i'm lulled into a false insecurity and then boom i'm hit with something i thought they did a good job contrasting brian to ellie that's what i thought anyway it's like you know brian's got uh joel pinned to the ground he's choking him with the shotgun and he's just some asshole some lunatic asshole trying to kill joel Ellie shoots him and he starts crying for his mom and saying he can't feel his legs and saying that we're not mm-hmm. fighting anymore. Now he's he's like, what is he, 15, 16? He knows that he's probably not going to make it out. And he's, he's trying to be, he thinks he might have an angle with, with Ellie. But when Joel comes to mm-hmm. and gives him one look, then he knows he's, he's going to be fucking oh, yeah. over. And I love the choice. This is very video. I love the choice that Joel murders this kid with a knife rather than a gun. Yeah, because bullet shells are precious. He might only mm-hmm. have a handful of them, and he ain't going to use it on this kid. Absolutely. Yeah, you you beat you beat a lot of people's heads in with bricks and and the last the la- that's the thing about the Last of Us is the Last of Us might be the most brutal combat I've ever seen in a game. It's pretty brutal. Yeah, you yeah. really feel like these are normal untrained people trying like in an animal way to kill each other because mm-hmm. a lot of times they don't have ammo. They're swinging like a kitchen knife duct tape to a two by four. <laughs> and that's not pretty when it hits someone's head. Uh, nope. Yeah. Uh, and this... that, that, that feels like that. It's very desperate. Felt very desperate. Yeah. And this is where I, I start to really like the episode significantly. Um, it's, it's when we see, you know, Ellie has done something in this scene that she knows is wrong. Um, or at least against Joel's wishes which is she had this gun without telling him. And there's this palpable feeling of like, shit, I'm in trouble. Like I, yes, I just saved this man's life, but I, he could just as easily spin around and, you know, get, get incredibly angry because I've done a thing I knew he didn't want me to do. Uh, and, And that tension is preserved like through several scenes here until Joel starts apologizing later. Um, and I felt it. I was like, I, I was trying to put myself in Ellie's situation thinking, man, how do I, you don't want to just like throw in his face. Yeah. Well, I saved your ass with that gun. Right. right. Cause it's not, right. that's kind of not the point <laughs> in a weird way in that moment. Mm-hmm. It's like, you shouldn't have that gun in the first place. And yeah, there's this really good emotional tension in these next couple of scenes for that reason. Watch out for that fungus. We'll be right back with more Savage Starlight. We found something to fight for. This podcast. Welcome back to Savage Starlight. Yeah, and a lot of it is like, it's not that Joel's not angry, because I think that's like what people are like, the, the whitewashing is like, Joel should have been angrier. He should have literally yelled and scolded at her. And in and, and this, Pedro just has his eyes blaze, and he like yanks the gun out of her hands and tucks it angrily in it and like stares at her like, it's you know it's the it's it's not I don't think abusive but it's the it's the parental no. way of like rubbing a fourteen year old's nose in something that they've done wrong, but 
Joel's not really mad at Ellie. He is mad at himself because he fucked up again. After all this talk about, oh, I'm going to find my brother because I'm persistent mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, and I, I guarantee there's going to be like he let this kid get the drop on him. And had it not been for Ellie disobeying him, he probably would have been dead. Mm hmm. And he's pissed off at himself and retroactively pissed off for being more concerned with this girl having a gun than he is with the reality of what they're dealing with. So, like, he processes us all that through the scene and then says, I think, the right thing, which is, like, I I fucked up. I'm sorry that you had to do that. That was hard. And I'm not going to make the same mistake. Here's your gun. You know, now you can protect yourself. I I, I thought, like, again, I... And he's mad I thought at, that's... A, at- this this girl who he thinks is uninnocent at this point right and and might be i i don't know she says something later like okay it wasn't my first time hurting somebody in that way but like we don't know the circumstances around that and joel doesn't know that at all in these scenes she certainly doesn't have joel's experience no no not even close so he's like doubly angry at himself he's angry at himself for for fucking up and almost getting killed and letting down somebody you know it may not be family but it's definitely uh, a promise to family but he's yeah. also angry at himself i think for letting this young girl be traumatized by having to save him you know it's yeah. it's it's twofold uh his disappointment with himself and i i really like it it's probably for and, me the and- best part of the episode and I love how I let Ellie play, too, because Ellie plays this. She's mm-hmm. weeping in the next room as she hears this kid getting stabbed to death. And they may have in the official podcast that she's not weeping because of the loss of her innocence or anything. She's mm-hmm. in their opinion, weeping because or she's this was those are tears of anger that she has allowed herself to feel sorry for this kid that she, you know, and then like in, in many other lesser productions would have. Um, Ellie be the innocent and she would beg for this kid's life. Oh, Joel, you know, he says he's not going to, you know, he's going to go right. What's good. And, and Joel would have <laughs> uh-huh. to be like, you stupid kid. This is the, you know, uh, you don't know what it's like. out. You know, give her Rick Grimes. You don't know what <laughs> sure. it's like out there, Ellie. And she doesn't because she's not naive like that. She knows it has to mm-hmm. be done. And she's pissed because she feels she's she's emotionally feels sorry for the kid. Yeah. Of having a human reaction. Um, and when Joel comes back in a room, she's like in kid makeup mode where, you know, you fucked up and you're trying to get on mom and dad's good side. She's all fucking business. She says uh-huh. she's all good. She's got her shit ready to go. She's saying where we go next. I am back into like listening to everything you say mode. And I, I like I said, I felt like it was better than if Joel just berated her and tore her down and, and did all that stuff. Like I felt. Yeah, it, 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 I think it it it. it, it is a nice is a more nice character narratives uh, a smoother art for him and in some ways it's more devastating to me i'm like well if she had you know showed some some emotion and begged for the kid's life and joel did it anyway like yeah that that doesn't say traumatized that doesn't that doesn't convey the amount of damage that has been done to ellie emotionally um both now and and obviously in her past, uh, what does convey that is her saying, her her jumping right back up and saying, "Nah, I'm good. Let's go." Yeah, that to me is is almost worse uh, mm-hmm. that she isn't really willing to process. You know, the idea that she had to kill someone who's not much older than her. Honestly, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. this kid couldn't be more than eighteen. So yeah, I think yeah, I even like he read to me like fifteen, sixteen, but, right? 
So probably so in real I, life he's 22, but <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, he might be up to 30. Who knows? Because <laughs> Bella uh, Ramsey's 20, right? I think I saw that. Is she? No? I don't know. She's 19. She'll be she'll be 20 in like six months. Uh, I can't believe how convincingly she plays like a 14 year old. Oh yeah. So totally. that's like you know this isn't we're not in a nine oh two one age oh age where you got thirty year olds <laughs> playing. No, you got you got an almost twenty year old convincingly playing a someone that's an eighth grader essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see the movies that were playing on the theater uh, at the theater uh, in the street here? Yeah, oh god, I made a note in the live watch and it didn't <laughs> for the the instant take it didn't come up. It was the ha- was it the happening. No, no, it was Underworld and Matchstick Men. Matchstick Men, yes, a, that was the one. Interesting combo that jumped out at me. Yeah, yeah, funny. Are those Boy, those must be Warner films that they don't have to get any yeah, permission probably. to clear? <laughs> uh huh. Anyway, let's move on to uh, a woman named Kathleen, played by Melanie Linsky, interrogates her doctor, trying to get him to give up the location of a man named Henry. Uh, the bodies from the encounter with Joel are brought back and she blames their deaths on Henry and she goes back, kills the doctor, then demands a full sweep of the city to find and kill Henry and his collaborators. Yeah, it's, it's not that she's a single man. I, I kind of thought that in the first watch through my second watch, I realized that she's looking for a lot of people. She's naming these names and there's some kind of flicker over the doctor's face. He's got to tell that she knows that he knows more about Henry than he's letting on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why the single minded focus of Henry for the rest of the episode. It might just be that she's not very, very good at her job. Um, or that's but, you the know, lead she's got. I don't know. Right. She's clearly a leader of this popular uprising against Fedra. Uh, she must be some kind of like inflection point. The death of her brother in these holding cells, like they're, yeah. There's all this lore that they hint at. You know, they're uh-huh. not running it down for our convenience. They're just gesturing at these things, and like the doctor must have. I don't know what it means to be a collaborator. Was it like just literally he provided medical services to Fedra, um, in fulfillment of his Hippocratic oath? That she implies that he informed on his neighbors, mm-hmm. but. Is that informing like when your neighbors are firefly terrorists or is that like informing because your neighbors are, you know, stealing a few ration cards so they can feed their children? Like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, they, they do a lot of uh, a, a lot of fairly subtle storytelling here uh, that you can kind of glimpse the edges of. But I don't have any like concrete it's wild yeah usually when you see a scene like this it's in a setting where there's clear stakes and you have clear sympathies but like Uh you know you look at the sense like if you're sympathetic to the doctor then it seems like real shitty for her to put a gun to her head but if you're like if this doctor is some kind of like nazi collaborator and he's like oh but you understand they have a gun to my head and she puts a gun i thought that was a great line she's like well now i fulfilled the necessary conditions for you to talk you have a gun mm. to your head, so fucking spill it. Um, yeah, I'm naturally sympathetic to the person who is being obviously beaten, right? He's bleeding, so he's been beaten. Um, yeah. Having a gun pulled put to his head and saying, you know, tell us what you know. I'm sympathetic to that person, naturally, but I don't know the full story here, and I don't know who these people are or what they've been fighting. Obviously, we've seen a QZ before, so we know that Fedra can be 
yeah. pretty shitty. Um, yep. So we, we kind of want to be sympathetic to uh, Kathleen's group here because it seems yeah. like they have fought Fedra and won here the in popular Kansas revolution from yeah. the people. And and I'm typically for that, but but there's we signs don't that there's there's something not all's right because I thought uh-huh. that the uh, the performance here of Kathleen was very much a person losing control of a situation and fixating on things like that scene of her like discovering B- Brian's body and realizing there's some outside. Ma- she's like, well, maybe it's a Merc. Maybe Henry brought, maybe he's got a radio. Maybe he brought him in. Like suddenly everything is connected. And if you know what it did, it felt like late game Cersei to me where a person mm-hmm. is making l- what they think is logical inferences, but it's really just a whole bunch of unconnected casual relationships that they're making causal. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, and, and and wanting to take swift action rather than gather more information. So, like, my priors tell me that she's not going to be a really effective leader. But, you know, she was a revolutionary figure. And whether that translates well into civilian control, who that uh, doesn't seem like it, it is. Yeah, it's an open question. I, I do wonder, is it possible that, that Brian was her son? Because he's shouting for his mom, and I, I don't know that this is necessarily true. She doesn't react like super strongly as far as like, oh no, my boy's dead. But she definitely kicks the the thing into the high gear at that point, right? She's like, "Fine, Henry, kill every mm. single one of these people." I don't think because like if it, that was her son, when Perry came up and said we found these bodies, they wouldn't say Brian, right? They'd say your son, right, or your boy. Mm, maybe I don't. Maybe. Know. Everybody's like standing that's, there. That's what the, I'm the thinking. The crowd parts when she walks up in a way yeah. that like says this is important, not necessarily like this is just a person in charge. Uh, I, I don't know. Well, I, but, I'm thinking we might like, find. There's that out definitely later, his but. dad. I think you're supposed to understand his dad is like at his side, like weeping over the body, and uh-huh. that was his mom. I, 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 yeah, I don't think so, but I couldn't prove it from just the text. I guess. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely not textual. The the other thing, uh, there's many many things wrong going on here uh, in terms of leadership and whatnot. But I think chief among them is this also opinion that because that's what I got that the doctor she's like, well, will this guy live? There's another guy who was shot, but he's not dead. He's dying. We live with the doctor's help, and they're like, no, nah, he's too far gone. She goes in and immediately shoots the doctor. Because I guess that's what stayed her hand. He said, my God, I'm your doctor. Like, maybe your only doctor. Mm-hmm. This idea that if something's not 100% effective, it's useless. Like, I, I've i I've seen this, this, this kind of line of thought a lot in the last 10 years or so as a way to, like, dismiss, you know, things that, again, don't work 100% of the time, uh, like science and Like medicine. literally everything. And like, yeah, like everything is like, you know, yeah. and, and to seatbelts and just just every everything. Um, it's like, oh, a doctor can't fix this. Well, fuck it. Doctors are useless and should be shot. You know, I. Yeah. Oh, it's it's it, it made me really angry to like see that happen, because, you know, even if mm-hmm. um, Joel doesn't kill every motherfucker in the city, which he probably not. That's that's you just made your group materially weaker. You had a trained sure. doctor and you just blew his brains out. 
Yeah, I mean, if you want to keep him chained up in a cargo container until you need sure. him, that's more valuable yeah, than Yeah, they dead. can stre- yeah. treat people's strep throats and broken arms and, you know, deliver babies, apparently. That's an important part of civilization, too. Like, it's just, oh, God, the small-mindedness. That's what it's like. As soon as I saw her do that, I'm like, I am not sold on her. Nope, she's she's going to be oh, a terrible yeah. leader. There's a lot of reasons I'm not sold on her. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah. That's certainly one of them. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm curious to see if I'm going to hate this character by the end of the, her story or if I'm going to understand her motivations, feel her pain, um, and come around on her. I, I don't know. I guess the overriding feeling I get on her is that she's almost in command here, in control by default. Like, she happened into the position of authority she was in during the revolution, and once the revolution was over, everyone just kind of still looked... Yep to her that for happens, man. for that reason yeah um so i i don't know i'm i'm curious to see if she is actually a capable leader in her own right or if she just kind of was right place right time and yeah. will be will will be ousted at some point now revolutions are scary i think we have an unduly yeah. high opinion of them in this country because that's how we were founded but if you look around mm. the history of revolutions who like 95% of them are bad, worse than what came before, especially in the near term. So not often do you get just like a stable, high-minded, uh, represented democracy out of the affair. And yeah. I don't know, maybe Kansas City will have a, will, will do better, but not I like Kathleen that they're, at the helm. I like that she's also blaming Henry for this incident right it's like oh must have been someone with henry must have been like right. related to our current thing that we've got going on here right. so let's double down on that whereas joel and ellie had nothing to do with that they right just wandered in they weren't sent by henry they weren't part of the collaborators none of that stuff and you know um if, if it's not clear already it will become clear that like who she's losing her shit over you know like is he a military genius is he someone with lifetime of experience of leading counterinsurgencies? Is are the is they is he got a a person with a ton? Is he a warrior with tons of experience killing and all that? Or is he going to be a scared? You know, essentially Brian. <laughs> you know, Brian. Uh, I think yeah, the kid that got killed by by Joel. Oh oh, that Brian. Okay. Yeah. yeah like like what we don't know at this point in the episode what the fuck is Henry? Who is this guy? And it's like, it's going to mm-hmm. make her position even more weaker when we come to appreciate who she's talking about. Yeah. Perhaps we'll see. Um, Joel and Ellie watch the, the city sweep happening here and they know that they have to move. They pick a tall tower about four blocks away. And while they wait for the coast to clear, Joel apologizes to Ellie for getting her into a situation where she had to shoot someone um, Joel gives her back the gun and shows her a better grip and then they move out. Yeah, it's like emotional. I mean, this is, you know, teenager 101 too. They're like on these emotional whiplashes. Uh, <laughs> I thought so. I, I saw someone said that like dealing with toddlers, like overstimulated or overtired toddlers is like dealing it, it, dealing with drunk adults. And you use the same tactics, mm. like kind of broadly speaking, patronize them like, oh, buddy. Oh, man, that sucks. Hey, here's some water. Can we get let's get you to bed. Come on. No. Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, we'll just you, know, you just keep you treat them like that. And, and instead of getting angry with them. And I find that like dealing with like 
12 to like 15, 16 year olds is like dealing with an adult rolling on Molly. You know, <laughs> they they uh-huh. they don't have they're not accurately picking out dangers versus the you know, everything is like, you know, wild swings of emotion, super high regard for their ability, current ability, constantly horny. Uh, just like, yeah, they're, they're not drunk. They're no longer drunk adults. They're now adults rolling on, on a Molly trip. And that's what it felt like where it's like, you know, sh- Ellie goes from feeling like really, really bad and like on the ber- verge of weeping and like opening up to this guy. And then he shows her how to hold a gun properly. And she is like over yeah. the fucking moon. Uh, I, I like that detail. Again, this she is- feels... Authentic. This is Joel hugging her, right? Like what she needs Kinda, here in this yeah. moment is Joel to come over and give her just a hug. Yeah. And yeah, just like just let her know that everything's going to be OK. He's not going to do that. No, what he's, he's going to do is guy. show her how to properly hold a, a pistol. Right. Yeah. And, I and love because that. Joel is the guy he is uh, telling her it's not her fault and a, a sincere apology gets most of the way to where a hug mm-hmm. would would do it you know because like she's she's just like realize he's not capable of one thing but he's doing everything he is capable of yeah the thing that's happening also in the scene though is he is just he's trying to protect her from her own feelings and i mm. you know because this apology like strictly speaking i don't think joel is at fault here i don't i don't think it was that joel got her into this situation that like he should have seen and could have could have known and could have protected her from it's just like they got in over their heads it happens yeah mm-hmm. it's not really his fault but he's he feels like it's his fault and then he's telling her that it's his fault to protect her from feeling bad about what she had to do in that moment and i i, I like it from every angle like the the stuff between joel and ellie in this episode is really strong yeah uh, it, because it hits from so many different angles like i said yeah, and it's like you were saying before. It's like when you find out that it's not her first time, that's actually more sad. Yeah. You know, you're only 14 yeah. and you've had, you know, you haven't quite got a callus built up, but you're working towards it. Um, and I do want to know more about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of like these emo- the, the, this information coming out in drips and drabs. Where it's like, oh, man, there's so much. You can tell there's so much story behind that. Like, oh, my gosh, when is it going to come? When are we going to find out? Mm hmm. And then, of course, you know, you can't just have him teach her how to hold a gun and everything is right in the world. She also has to try and tuck it into her pants. And then Joel Joel gives her the classic Christmas story line. You'll shoot your damn ass off. Right. That's that's what Santa tells him. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> shoot your ass out. <laughs> shoot your ass out. Uh, no. And then I, I find it hilarious that she doesn't put it in her pack. Right. She's like. Oh my God, we just went through this. You did something that Joel didn't want you to do. And it, it saved his in, life. I know, I know. She's going to, she would obviously point that out if I told her this, but like it resulted in a whole bunch of emotional shit happening. And now you're going to do it again, just immediately next, right? And, and that feels like a teenager too. Well, it makes sense if you're rolling on Molly, Jim. For sure. Uh yeah, uh, so that's in her pocket. Do you think that's gonna come back to bite her, or is it gonna like save them again, like it did the first? I don't time? know. If it comes back to bite her and her ass gets shot off, I don't know how that improves the story. So probably not. <laughs> okay. Maybe get her. Maybe get her a holster. Maybe, maybe take a holster off of one of one of these uh, dumb fucks you're gonna be killing in the weeks ahead. I I could see somebody maybe I don't know grabbing her and taking this pistol 
Whereas if she had had it in her pack, maybe it wouldn't. And then mm. like using it to, I don't know. God, it just seems like in this something. world, like, uh, I mean, why not even be more safe and have her keep it unloaded? You know, it's like, uh, what, right. I, how uh, is, is, are you going to be less safe with her? Maybe someone sneaking up and taking the gun or getting in a situation where she is in a frightened state is fumbling with her bag, trying to get the gun out, rummaging mm-hmm. through the sack while Joel is getting eaten by a clicker. I, I don't know. Like it's a it's honestly an open question, right? Yeah, I mean earlier in the scenes with Brian, uh, she waited until the last possible moment to get that gun out. I, if I were her, I get behind that wall, I immediately grab that gun. But yeah, I was thinking that too. She seems hesitant to do that. Obviously, she's not supposed to have it. And hope well, some she of that's won't filmmaking. They're like trying to build the tension, right? Yeah. She just like had that gun out ready and just blasted a guy from the hole, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's what I do in the game if I was playing at LA. Uh-huh. I would have I would have gotten to where I was just just barely able to see that guy's head from the hole and pachoo. Mm-hmm. No reprisals. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, next scene, Perry takes Kathleen to a place where people, probably Henry and including a child, were obviously hiding out. She orders her guys to to double the guards around their food stores, uh realizing they're out of food. Then Perry shows her another disturbing room where the floor is cracked and moving and she tells him to seal off the building. What is going on in this room, man? I think we might have to have a spore lore at the end here yeah. to, to speculate because uh, did you, you, you didn't hear the instant talk. Um, huh. Anthony, who has not played the game, was speculating that this is a mass grave. That may or may not be infected. I mean, it's got to be infected if it's a mass. That that there is like a heaving mass of mushroom humanity under here. Um, they did like, show you know, that you, pile of burnt bodies earlier. Right, so right. Maybe, like maybe they they executed a whole bunch of people and tried to concrete over it, and that mm-hmm. was his speculation. Um, I'm curious to see. Uh, that's the other thing. It's like I'm cu- curious to see what people come up with. Um, in the in the in in the feedback section and i yeah i kind of want to speculate with you in a spore lore at the end of this episode okay yeah that sounds good because i think there's like two things that could two or three things that could be here here's my speculation is that uh those drawings were not actually drawn by the kid they were drawn by an adult who draws very poorly (laughs) (laughs) I, I they, think, yeah. he drew so poorly they executed him and now his frustrated art ambitions are trying to get out from underneath the floor yes yeah do you think because the thing is is like the thing that is i think hard for me to wrap my head on is it seems like it's explicitly explicitly connected to henry and sam's hideout like it's in the exact same building is it a coincidence Am I wrong that it is in the same building? And it's just more of like, hey, I was wanting to tell you this anyway. And they're a couple blocks away or is it different? Like these didn't I feel felt- like the same building to me. One of them felt like a house. Oh, really? The other felt like uh, like a uh, more commercial building. Huh. Yeah, I thought this I thought I thought they were shacked up in the dead space of like a warehouse or something. Um but maybe you might be felt right. like so, yeah, so you, to me, you think there's man uh yeah okay because uh, yeah though especially the way they edited where the, you didn't see an establishing shot of them arriving to someplace else yeah um and they didn't feel connected hmm. to me but maybe they are i don't know 
Okay. It's creepy though. It's like uh, someone on the instant takes like uh, Kevin Bacon's trimmers or his graboids. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, something, it's got to be something big and powerful uh, or a lot of something to move yeah. that kind of heavy structure, a collapsed floor. All right, Joel and Ellie break into the tower that they had their eye on. They climb uh, most of the way up to the 33rd floor where they hope to get a better view of the city in the morning. Uh, during the climb, Ellie asks Joel again about whether he's killed innocent people. He still won't answer. They settle in for the night with Joel laying glass on the floor as an alarm. Joel asks Ellie about the people she's hurt before, and uh, she says, eh, I don't want to talk about it either. Then she tells a real stinker of a joke, which cracks them both up. They eventually fall asleep, and when they wake, they realize they slept through their alarm, and there are two people with guns pointed at them, telling them to be quiet. Now, will we go to the ad, make every shot count? We'll be back with more of Savage Starlight. We're not the cure for mankind, but we have your favorite podcast. Here's more of Savage Starlight. I guess I want to start here with asking, because there's this, you know, Joel's not directly answering the question about being on both sides of the ambush. And Ellie says, did you kill innocent people? And Plyzy kind of has. I wonder, is there any kind of moral system that would grant you the right to ambush and murder innocent people to survive? Like, it's one innocent thing if you steal people? from someone. Hmm. Well, because he says he's been on both sides of, uh-huh. I guess, they ambush. Like, he's ambushed people. By definition, you can't ambush people that you know <laughs> are bad, right? Uh. I guess if you're ambushing Fedra. Yeah, if you know who you're ambushing. Maybe. Y- you can. You can. Okay. Because I was like, that's a really dark color to paint Joel with the idea that his people might have preyed on people to survive. Mm -hmm. And like like I said, you can maybe steal to survive. You can maybe hold someone up and be like, hey, we're starving. I'm going to take a third of your crap and then get out of here. And I guess if they fight back, I don't I don't know. There's like, yeah, I I was trying to think like like Rick Grimes, like, you know, like they killed a hell of a lot of people, but they normally didn't like bait people, lure them in. Mm hmm trick people they were mostly the ones being aggressed on so i yeah i don't know i i I, what's your what's your thought do you think that joel has killed innocent people because why wouldn't he just say no of course not yeah i I mean when you refuse to answer a question like that it's because you have done things that you've if they weren't innocent people you at least feel like they didn't deserve the fate they got yeah yeah yeah, because like that's the thing is they do a good job of humanizing like this this we the people outfit. It's like uh, you show Brian's dad mourning him. You know, these are normal people. These are people with families. They're not like psychos. Oh, again, it's hard for me to square the predatory luring people in and stealing their shit. I uh, and and probably raping and killing them when you're done. Yeah, that's the thing. They did ambush them. It's not like. It doesn't seem like Fedra's around anymore, right? So these are traps set for whoever stumbles into them. Yeah. And maybe like if Joel had just come in and like helped the guy, they would have arrested him and taken his shit. <laughs> sure. And then he, who knows? So like, did Joel provoke this by trying to run the guy over? Yeah. I guess it's, it decides on, it depends on which side of the ambush you're on, I guess. It really does. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about Joel's stories. Um, 
when you know this ice is finally completely thawed and he can talk with Ellie. Um, uh, he, here's the thing about yeah. climbing all these flights of stairs. I feel like anybody in reasonable health could climb 42 flights of stairs in a night. Like you give me, you give somebody three hours to do this. I think if you can walk, you could probably get up that many stairs. If a 56 year old one with some injuries, I mean, think I about know. it. If you took a, a a flight a minute, it would take you less than an hour to get up there. Yeah, a flight every three minutes. You could do it in less than three hours. But why do you like want to get to the half. To, Why do you want to get to the tippy top? I guess that's the question. I don't. Know, it seemed like he wanted to. He just couldn't. Hmm. So why does he want to is the question. Do you I yeah, uh, I I don't know. I I guess you're right. If you had all if you wanted to hike up all night long, you could. I was worried the whole time they're using their flashlights, swinging them around indiscriminately. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there are people in the city looking for you. If you let the your <laughs> flashlight play outside this or if you're walking up, you know, you're you're in a 33rd floor of the building and you got your flashlights out exploring the building, like Turn this thing into a lighthouse. Yeah, it's going to look like the Watergate break-in. Like, people are going to notice <laughs> right. at 3 o'clock in the morning, dude. There's uh-huh. there's people probably up late looking at it. But uh, I don't know. I thought it's, totally. it's interesting he did that Mission Impossible trick of, like, spreading the broken glass. And mm-hmm. Ellie asks if, like, are you going to even hear this? Because you seem like you're mostly deaf out of your gun ear. And turns out he doesn't. Um, and I love the detail that when he wakes up, he's on his left side, which means his right ear is up. So they might have walked on that glass. He just couldn't hear it because his hard of hearing in that ear. Yep. I like that a lot. And uh, it's funny because it's an inversion of expectations from the game because in the game, Joel's got almost supernatural hearing. Like you got the listen mode where you can kind of like really concentrate. And this this is much more realistic. Yeah, guy's been doing gunplay for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're going to have some (laughs) degraded hearing. Yeah, that's a that's probably the biggest departure this series versus the walking dead is accuracy and the good the hearing loss from firing guns yeah yeah uh ellie asks does does you know he joel's apologizing here again um about you know having to her having to hurt somebody uh she says it's not her first time uh he says yeah but you're so young something like that and she's like does it get easier when you get older and he says well no of course not it's just you do it enough times you become numb to it yeah get used to it it's it's not that it gets easier it's just that it affects you less and it's like you know that's i guess that's sad about because like there are times in your life where you are carefree and you know, I don't know if like if it behooves you to go through all your all your life that way, but like I, I think there's something to be said about trying to keep kids from experiencing the true, you know, daily worries and whatnot of the world, and that probably goes double for the zombie apocalypse. But you know, Jesus, there's like I think of that kid in the very beginning of the series that walked in from the outskirts of Boston and like what his life must have been like, and he probably saw his family getting eaten apart, you know, torn apart by clickers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. got bit by one himself uh they gotta grow up fast yeah yeah it's a very different world than we live in yeah 
Here's the thing. I'm I'm looking around at uh, the online discussion about this, and I know everybody wants to paint the internet as a hive mind, right? And you've got all these. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to paint it as like its own entity, but it's never more apparent than back to back Last of Us episodes last week and this week that the internet is not a hive mind. That there are many different competing opinions because boy, last week people were getting antsy. They were like, "God damn it." We're going to go off and do this side story. We don't have time. We got to tell the story of Joel and Ellie. My God. Uh, we're we're going to run out of time to, to make them bond before the important moments. And this episode, it's like, fuck, they bonded them too quickly. Uh, <laughs> what are we doing? We still have five episodes left. Now the whole pacing is ruined. I'm like... Oh my God! Just settle down, everybody. Settle down. I, that's the thing. I just think people are like I. I and, and as a guy who processes all the feedback, it seems like they're antsy in two different directions. They're show only watchers. They're like, why is everyone sucking this show's dick so hard? Like, you know, it's it's like I feel it feels I feel like I'm watching halfly fleshed out characters and half. Like, yeah, it's because you are this character. And then you hear the video game people who are antsy because, like, well, right. they seem to be killing it so far, but, oh, my God, I'm not sure if they're going to continue to kill it. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. like I feel like this show is getting a lot of un- the, the the show only watchers are saying this is getting a lot of unwarranted love because why is it people acting like this is one of the greatest stories ever told? We're only halfway through it, which that seems like it should be on the face of it dumb. But also... <laughs> At this point, if you're a video game person and you are on the fence or like on pins and needles about them fucking this up, like you got to relax, man. Yeah. yeah like, you got to chill out. They, they, if, if, it's, if it's all about the culture wars that they've already fucked this sh- the thing up beyond all recognition because they made Frank and, 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 and Bill Gay, so you might as well stop watching it. But if that <laughs> if, if that's not your opinion, then like how in the world can you be afraid that they're going to fuck this up? What would it look like? What would it look like for Craig and Neil to fuck it up at this point? Like they've killed the casting, uh-huh. they're following the important stuff of the, the that we love in the video game, and clearly have a lot of affection for the source material. The big changes we we're worried about, like spores and shit, haven't played out. Like it seems like it's like if anything, even cooler. Like yeah, Jesus, just enjoy, they're they're finally going to do a good video game adaptation. Okay. Yeah, I think it's just a demonstration that people like to complain more than they do praise. Um, and I and I get it. That's natural. It's easier. Yeah, but it certainly is. Because every time it just feels very whiplashy, right? Because um, mm-hmm. I I do go on the the Reddit and look at it and go, well, this is a this is the audience in aggregate, as opposed to saying like, well, this is the contingent of the audience that is feeling this week like something was amiss as opposed to the ones last week who felt something was amiss for the complete opposite reason. Like it's, it's hard to decipher the general feeling of this. I I think the general feeling is the show is really good. Mm -hmm. Whether you're a game player, a show watcher only, whether you think that they're absolutely nailing character beats or changing Joel's character substantially, everybody's still watching it and loving it. I don't hear the complaints that I hear on other shows uh, that do a much worse job of, of adapting something. I, I always I, went through this with rings of power where like almost everyone was open in, yeah. in open scorn of what was happening there. You know, you had the very minority I mean, of people. Being, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was it was beyond the like, oh, we you know, because there's like initial backlash against black elves and dwarves and the, yeah, the this and stuff. that and the other. Mm-hmm. But like then also when the thing hit and it's like, oh, well, these characters kind of suck and this person doesn't make sense and this doesn't, you know, like it, it, it's there's substance. Yeah, the, nothing in that show is really working with like small yeah. exceptions. And this is the inverse where like almost everything's working except for small exceptions. And they might not even be exceptions. We just haven't figured, you know, seen the the entire scope of the right. thing. I and just keep coming back to like if I didn't like like I I always come back to like right before the season aired, Alan Suppenwald had seen all nine and you know, he writes for Rolling Stones. He's one of my television viewing heroes and he said the whole fucking thing is amazing. Mm-hmm. So like that was if I hadn't known that at this point, I'd still be like, well, there's no. Yeah, because I, I respect Craig Mazin. Obviously, I respect Neil Druckmann. Um, I was a little I had some reservations about the cast four episodes in. But like I also there's people that I, I really enjoy and admire their opinion on television. And they're saying it's going to be OK. So I think it's going to be OK, guys. Yeah, things going to yeah. be OK. No, I'm excited to see what happens next week. We get the introduction of a couple new characters. Um mm-hmm. Don't want to say much about them, if anything, but uh, they are they are a part of the game as well. Yeah, and we didn't talk about it, but like you know, uh, the Sam and Henry. Uh, the thing that was thought was interesting is they're talk. You know, Kathleen's talking this guy like he is some Jason Bourne, uh-huh. and we see what what we see at the end of this, and and you know, we we saw their their layer. They're out of food. It's full of superhero drawings. And then we see two young kids show up, one of them with a superhero mask painted on their face. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, these are new characters are being introduced to. Um, but it, it gives you another aspect of Kathleen. Like, really? This is the this is the thing that you're bending all of your resources into stopping and finding. These are the leaders. These are the collaborate. How the fuck did either it's- of these kids collaborate meaningfully with Fedra? Yeah. It strikes me as a, a revolution in search of a new cause. Uh, these people are all geared up because they just yeah. took over this QZ. And, and, and now they have nothing to do. Like part right. of the reason Fedra is a bunch of fucking assholes is because there's no good solutions. There's not enough. Ma- there's not enough to go around. Mm-hmm. Uh, they prop the public execution is probably resource management as much as it is. Oh, they oh, broke these is. minor laws. So it's like, yeah. okay, Fedra is terrible. You just took over. Now what are you going to do? What humane yeah. way are you going to allocate resources with like medical food, those kind of things, bullets? How are you going to protect these people from, mm-hmm. you know, you flung open the gates of Fedra. So like, that's the thing. Like, you know, winning a war is easy. Governing is harder. Um, yeah. Totally. Direct quote from Hamilton, the musical. So we'll see. Kathleen, yeah, it's always easier Kathleen to tear down Hamilton. We'll we'll see we'll see how it goes with them. Mm-hmm. You know what? Uh, one last complaint. This is the this is the worst one. They mm. keep bait and switch Starlight Savage Starlight on us. When <laughs> Ellie saw that mag, beat up magazine in the floorboard, I'm like, God damn it! Mm-hmm. We're going to get Savage Starlight, and it's the bearskin nudie mag. Yep. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> still still no sighting of our namesake where are all it. the collect where are all the collectible comic books that joel and ellie are supposed to be finding when they're why they're rummaging through places they keep rummaging and we're not getting any of the comics i'm sure they're just around the corner the next episode right. i'm sure we'll get a savage starlight appearance all right 
All right, we should have we should have played we, we should have done an over and under bet at the beginning of the season. Damn it. Yeah. Oh well. All right. Uh, is that all we got? Should I should I initiate the outro sequence? Yeah, let's do it. So we're gonna have a spore lore at the end of this, but if you uh, have not played the games, uh, in fact, I want to make this a super spore lore. We are going to discuss enemy types potentially from the second game. So if you want to, mm-hmm. like, if that doesn't bug you, if like reading a Game Informer wouldn't spoil you, then you can. You're you're welcome. We're not going to be talking about plot. We're just going to be talking about enemy types. But like, it is going to be some knowledge from the second one. So. It's a super spore lore. If you haven't, if you want to be completely blind going into volume two, the last of us, maybe skip it for this week. Uh, but for those of you that do not want these spoilers, you can get a hold of us at PLU, T L O U at baldmove.com. That's where you send feedback. We'll be considering that uh, Thursday. Uh, we will be having our instant take on Friday night. Everyone will get to listen to our instant take, but if you want to join and watch us record it live and get both halves of that, the, Gemini's opinion and then the community weighing in and our responses to that. You want to be a club member, support.baldmove.com. Follow us at Twitter, twitter.com slash baldmove. And uh, that's it. We'll see you on Thursday and then Friday uh, to do the whole thing, to start the week sequence all over again a couple days early. Let's get into the super spore lore section. Jim, mm-hmm. there's concrete. It's bucking and heaving like a Bronco. Mm-hmm. What the hell? What the hell's buried underneath there? Oh man! I so so there are a few possibilities. Um, let me throw one out. I'm I'm not. Well, wait. What sure. do you think of Anthony's? Anthony mass grave. There's like twenty, thirty people under there. They were infected with shrooms, and they're like the guy who survived the collapse in the sea store, and they're bucking and heaving down there. The I mean, reanimated it's, it's mass a, grave. It, it's it's not the worst theory. I I would say like you know the the dead can't be infected, right? So like say, true, they had if they were they actually be... dead when they were put down there, then they're gonna stay dead. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe they weren't totally dead. Maybe they you know got mostly dead, like yeah. Miracle Max would say. Um, I, I suppose it's possible. It's possible this thing, this could be a bloater just under the surface like maybe about to to crack up i it, we don't really see in the game how how any of these types of creatures are made right so right i don't know how uh bloater is birthed is it is it just like a certain quality to a human that when it would transform into like a clicker instead it gets all bloated up and and or is it just like if every click just like you know one out of 40 um runners turn into lurkers and one out of 20 lurkers mm. turn into clickers and one out of 10 or 20 clickers live long enough and and have the you know maybe it's because their bodies are bigger and they have more nutrients for the fungus to to uh, to exploit because I noticed that all the bloaters are pretty big boys, mm-hmm. pretty big boys and girls. I don't know if there's oh, yeah. a, any. Fe- I've seen a female bloater, but like they have some mass, even even without a comp- uh, accounting for the mushroom. You know, mm-hmm. they look they look like they they were husky. Yeah, so I don't know. It could be that, but I've in the game I don't recall anything ever being started underground. Everything you encounter was and always is above ground. Was it? So was this like? Um, did they drop? So I was trying to think like, did, how did this happen? Did a, did the floor collapse on them? Did the ceiling collapse from above? Mm-hmm. 
Um, like did this like so that they had a bloater in this room and they collapsed to to, to stop it. Um, it's that possible. could be because yeah, I don't know that it. If you left that guy in the C store for the 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 Ellie stabbed, would he turn into a bloater? I I don't know how they can do that yeah. underground. Um, the other possibility because it's honestly this seemed bigger than a bloater. Like the way that pavement was rippling, it didn't look like a single, like you know, Gregor uh, Gregor Clegane type figure struggling to get out from underneath. The it seemed like it was bigger than that. Mm-hmm. What do you remember the Rat King in Volume Two? No. That was the fusing of like five or six different infected into one fungal mass that came out like it was in the parking garage of a hospital. And it was like a rolling battle of this giant thing. It was it would bust through it. It 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 it. it I think it bust out of an ambulance, and then mm. it could bust through walls. And like as you killed it, you like kill parts of it. It was like two bloaters, three clickers, and a lurker all in like one tangled mass. And they'd split off from each other. It's like it it was fucked up. Mm. Um, I wonder. <laughs> Sounds like it. But I don't I don't know why they jumped the gun. They we yeah. haven't seen a bloater yet. Why would they go right to Rat King? I don't know. They went to clickers pretty fast, um, which True. I was surprised by. But yeah, that I don't know. Uh, could it possibly be that this is the first bloater that anybody's seen? Like this is bloaters are just now becoming a thing. First bloater that Joel seen. I guess so. Yeah. That anyone's seen. Maybe this is the first. Maybe it's bloater a couple. Period. Also, it could just be two or three bloaters. Because like I sure. said, I don't know. I, I'm and I'm not going to be like oh bullshit if just one bloater pops out of that thing. Right. Right. But I mean, if it's if it's some like what'd you call it, Rat King? Yeah, the Rat King. Something like that would certainly be very cool to see on screen, but it does seem a little premature. You're right. This is named after, I guess, a medieval phenomenon, or maybe it's a folk, but like where like rats would get, you know, like plague ridden Europe would get so like disgusting and scabrous and matted in their fur, their tails would twist up, and you'd have like. 13 14 rats just in a ball just a heaving mass of rat and i think like dungeons and dragons leaned into that and called like there's an enemy type of a rat king which is like you know some kind of twisted form of these these ratlings and whatnot uh hmm. and of course none of like because like i don't think any of these do any of these enemies have official names in the game because I, I don't think they get like it's like, like ellie like when this thing busts out of the ambulance now like ellie's like well, I don't even sure it's Elliot. It might have been. It's not like they're like, oh my god, it's a rat king. It's just like, right? You're just running, screaming for your life. The bloaters mm-hmm. actually, I feel like bloaters did. There was a poster, a Fedra poster, or something that's like, here's the stages of. Maybe. Might be right. I can't remember. Uh, but yeah, it's a couple. I, I, I think I, I'm hoping it's a few bloaters or perhaps a rat king. Is it possible it's just like the underground? mycelium or whatever from the oh if it's just like network. a big tendril whip and it's like it's gonna be a mass of tendrils coming out whip 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 everybody oh i don't know about like fast moving stuff but like a it's growing up mass, through the yeah. ground there and there's gonna be some kind of it's uh, gonna connect all of, HQ. all of the yeah and bring bring all these mushrooms down on all the 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 defenders just after they've destroyed fedra maybe could be that's a good that's a good possibility too, a fungal nerve cluster. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to see next week. Did they build Kansas City on an ancient burial ground? They because d- that <laughs> might be did. a thing. Yeah, they did. They uh they wouldn't they, surprise they, me. 
they just moved the the, the headstones and uh-huh. tried to build a swimming pool, <laughs> and it's it's not going to go well for them. All right, I think that's it for the super spore lore. Again, tlu at baldmove.com if you want to send us feedback. What do you think is underneath the concrete? What's in the box? And uh, we'll talk about that on Thursday. And then again, we don't have much. We don't we don't have as long as we usually do to get to the full answers. Uh, just it's coming up uh, th- uh, Friday night. We'll be there with the instant take, instant talk, support.baldmove.com. If you want to join up the clubs, you can listen to that live and enjoy both halves of the instant take and talk. Uh, and then, yeah, we'll be back uh, next Tuesday with the full boy. Jeez, everything is is, is is hurry up after Super Bowl. Uh, we'll be back mm-hmm. on Monday, rather. Yeah. For this week only, we'll be back on Monday with the full recap. So that's the plans. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.